was guilty with nothing to say and they were coming to take me away but then a voice from heaven was heard that said let him go mentioned it just a few weeks ago and talked about the fact that we have a tremendous staff here at Community Baptist Temple and they do a fabulous job and I um, honestly you know there's uh, evangelists and preachers that travel the country that I'll be frank with you uh, we, we don't necessarily have to go outside too often to find fresh voices we have a couple good voices around here and boy I'll tell you what brother Kavanaugh and brother Josh uh, are doing a great job, and uh, they are, uh, well, really, I, I think they're as good of preachers as we're going to find around the area, and honestly, I told them the other day, I said, I think they could go out and pastor a church our size easy like that, and honestly, they're both so equipped, so qualified, and uh, I, I didn't uh, get a chance to get away like I normally do, and I felt like, man, I stole these guys' opportunity to, to preach here as well as an opportunity for you to be familiar with them in a very unique way. And so, uh, just like I asked Brother Kavanaugh a few weeks back, I've asked Brother Josh to come to this morning, and I want him to preach and share from his heart what Lord's put on it. And again, I am confident and have no doubt that our hearts will be stirred today. May God bless us as we listen and let God speak to our hearts through the Word of God. Brother Josh. Amen. Glad to have the opportunity, glad to be here this beautiful 
scorching hot Sunday morning. It's going to be great. We knew it. We knew it was coming. We scheduled water wars on the buses, so it's perfect. If you're hot, if you're steaming today, you step out onto the parking lot, and we will take care of you, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll get it all fixed. We'll make it all better. All right, I am excited for the opportunity, as I said. I'm looking forward to it today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, go to the book of James. Go to James. We'll, we'll sit there, for the most part, in the fourth chapter of the book of James. We'll walk through that chapter, get to as much as possible this morning. I want to be an encouragement and a blessing to you this morning, uh, but... I only have so much that I can give. We need this right here. We need this precious, this powerful book, the Bible. Are you thankful for the Bible today? Amen. 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 I am too. We're going to walk through. And I want to start with just one simple verse. We'll try to get to as much as we can here in this fourth chapter. But let's go to chapter 4 in verse number 14. We'll read that right here, right now. What does the Bible say Listen here as I read in James chapter 4, verse number 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I have not gotten this verse, this thought out of my mind over these last couple of weeks. I, I knew that I would be preaching and it's not typical, it's not normal, as much as I would like it to be normal, for me to know a couple of weeks out what I'll be preaching. But the Lord had laid this thought on my heart and on my mind for us this morning. And I am with complete confidence ready to share this thought and ask this question this morning. And I pray that you would hear the scripture, listen to James as he writes it here, that question, what is your life. What is your life? He answers it very quickly. According to this verse, what is it, church? A vapor. It's here for just a little while. Just a little while. And it vanisheth away. We've heard messages. We've heard it preached. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. But we have right here and right now. I'm not promised tomorrow, but I can serve God today. You may not know for sure that you have tomorrow, but you can obey God today. What is your life? A vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Oh, what you don't understand, I'm sitting in this section this morning, which means I'm a teenager. That's your brother Don. He's not a teenager. No. <laughs> sitting in this section over here, I've got my whole life ahead of me. I'm young. I've got my legs. I've got energy. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. What is your life, teenager? A vapor. You have today, right here, right now, to obey God. Now, with this, we want to be as efficient with our time as possible. We don't want to waste our time. 
And unfortunately, in this day in which we live, it's very easy to do. Teenager, adult alike, let's not pretend that it's just the teenagers that will flip open YouTube and start scrolling. And I watched this video. And it was profitable because I wanted to learn exactly how to smoke that brisket. So I'm going to watch one video on YouTube. And that one video turns to do videos and to three. And I look at the clock and I go, what just happened? It's easy today to waste our time. And we realize, we believe the word of God to be true. We don't want to waste our time. We want to be profitable. We want to be efficient with our time, with the time that God has given us today. So I don't want to waste any time. So what I do with the time that God has given, I do want to be a blessing. I want to be profitable. I want to be used of God in a mighty way with this time, this hour. The Bible talks about in chapter 4 of the book of James, there's a few things that, and I will walk down through a list, according to the verses that we find here in chapter 4, some things not to do. There are some things that we can do that are just, according to the chapter, a complete waste of time. We can easily get caught up with these characteristics, with these qualities, though. With, with, with that, a mindset here. Let's go to the very beginning of the chapter. And I've got to move quick because there aren't a lot of laughs here in the fourth chapter. I want to get to the very end where we can lighten the mood just a little bit and be encouraged by what, by what God has to say. But there are a few things we must be vigilant and watching for. In James chapter 4, in verse number 1, the Bible says... From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill, and desire to have and cannot, cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because, what? Ye ask not. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we are thankful for this day. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to come to this place. We can worship your holy name. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You are high above us all. I pray, Father, that you would be honored and glorified this day in your house. Through this message, through the songs that were sung, through the fellowship that we have even afterwards, the bus kids playing in the parking lot in just a moment. Father, may you be lifted up high as you are worthy of our praise. Bless this time that we have together now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Well, let's really quick, let's get just a brief recap. Where are we at? What's going on? What is the writer talking about? What is he discussing today? Let's quickly go back to the first chapter of James. Who is writing? Who is he writing to? To whom is he writing to? The, the, the Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse number 1, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. James writing here, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. We must remember this when we sit there in verse number four and we think to ourselves, what? is this guy saying? What's he talking about? What's James talking about? From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members, verse number one of James chapter four. Remembering 
that there is an adversary. Yes, we know the devil. But for the Jews, we also see the Romans and the suppression that is there. They don't get along very well. They are constantly, continually, the Jews, the Romans, at odds. And the writer says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members? Now remember, even more specifically, not just the Jews, we are talking about believers. Let's just make that clear. And Christians here. It happened to be Jews. They're trying to live, they need to live a Christ-centered life, just as you and I need to do today. And there are fights. I'm talking about, and I'll give you four quick time wasters. We waste our time. We're not promised tomorrow. And James is speaking to these 12 tribes, these believers, and he's saying you're getting caught up in the wrong things with the wrong motivation here. You're fighting the wrong fight. We understand that we need to be in the good fight of faith. But you see, just like we find ourselves, and I believe that we can draw a clear parallel here in America. It's easy to get caught up in the fight. Listen, and hear me out. I love my country. But the fight for our country. I'm fighting for my country. And I want freedom as an American. And here's what we say. I want freedom... Why? Why do we want freedom? And that's what the, what, what the Apostle James here is getting at. Why are you fighting? Is it for the freedom so that you can share the gospel? So that you can go and tell others about Jesus Christ? Or is it really they're just cramping, those, those Romans are cramping your style? We realize, we understand what we have been blessed with here in America. The freedoms that we have known, and many of us have known all of our lives. And as we watch them fade off into the distance, we get scared. We're nervous and afraid, and we're willing to stand up for our freedom and our liberty. Give me liberty or give me death, right? But James says, he's asking, what's your motivation? You see, we can waste our time with the wrong fight. We're wasting our time here in America as Christians. I'm not talking about Americans, just Americans right now. I'm talking about Christians here in America. We are fighting the wrong fight because what is the problem with America? We know it to be true, but yet we look to the gas pump. We know this to be true here, that guess what? All of the problems in America, we see it, we watch it, listen to it on the news, but here's the problem. The problem in America is sin. The problem with America, the problem with you, with me today is sin. Sin. We are sinners. And our country needs our God. And James says we're wasting our time. We don't have all day. We haven't been promised tomorrow. What is our life? Even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And you're going to fight this fight. You're wasting your time. Because if our country gets God, we'll be just fine. Do we believe this to be true? Do we believe it to be so? We can waste time with the wrong fight. What is that wrong fight? Typically and usually it's our fight, my fight, my comfort. James, he continues on. We'll get back to that second verse. The end of that second verse, I don't want to pass over that thought. You have not because ye ask not. We'll get there in just a moment. But let's take a look at verse number four. Verse number 4 and verse number 5, the Bible says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, 
Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Listen, wasting time today? Yes, we can fight our fight. Number two, there's no time today for friendship with the world. We're caught up in it. We see it. We live in it, around it. And guess what? It appeals to our flesh. Those weekend warriors. Are you one of those weekend warriors? You live all weekend or all week long for the weekend so that you can kick back and relax and enjoy your time. That's a worldly idea, a worldly philosophy. But guess what? We are fighting the wrong fight today. And we as Christians, the church in America today is getting caught up in the world. Who is the God, little g God of this world? Satan. And he is blinding our minds, blinding our eyes to the wickedness that is America, that is our world today. We're living in the world. We're living like the world. We don't have time for that. What is your life? A vapor. Oh, I don't want to look back and think, and I, I quite frankly don't believe I'll be able to do this one day or not do this. Look back and think, wow, the time that was wasted. The time that I wasted. What I could have been, what God could have done in and through me. And James, thankfully, to those believers scattered abroad, he says, listen, don't get caught up in the world. It looks good. It sounds good. And for a short time, it can be. It can be fun. But guess what? You're wasting your time. And that's something we're short on today. Don't get caught up in the world. Don't get caught up in your own fight. Friendship with the world. I remember when I was a kid, we must realize this according to the scriptures. We want to believe that we can ride the fence, that I can kind of taste, feel, jump and have fun in the world, but still be clean, righteous, godly. We're trying to ride the fence today. And I was reminded as I thought of this, and the very pointed words that are given there in Scripture, very clear. I had a friend, a couple of friends, neighbors that I grew up with, and we played every single day. We were riding our bikes around the block, playing football, basketball. We, we were just having a blast, having a good time. Well, one of my friends ended up struggling and getting into it with my other friend, Okay. They're at odds with one another, and I'm in the middle. And one day, he comes to me, the next-door neighbor, and he says, if you're friends with him, you're not friends with me. I didn't do anything. What did I do? Not cool. Not right. So what did I have to do? I had to, I had to get them to be buddies again so that we could all play again. I'm just a little kid. But can I tell you right now? We think somehow that can we, we can mess around, we can play around with the world, be buddy-buddy with the world, and still be just fine with God. God says, nope. Nope. Oh, well, I don't know about that, Brother Josh. I'm not so sure. Okay. 
Uh, verse number four, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the, is the what? Is the what? The enemy of God. This is a big deal. We don't have time today to be friends, to be okay in this world in which we live. Let's continue on. Let's look at another time waster, and this is a big one. And I don't have time. I wish I did to really dig in here. But I believe everyone in the room would agree with me. Here in verse number 6, let's look at another time waster. We don't have much time. The Bible says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the what? God resisteth the proud. We don't have time. Can I just say it this way? We don't have time today to be proud. We don't have time for pride. And if I, were, if I were to be completely honest, I would raise my hand today and say, pride is something that I'm constantly warring with. And if we were all completely honest, we would probably all raise our hand and say, pride is a constant battle in my life. But in a room this size, can I take it a step farther and say, there are probably some, there may be some, and who am I to cast judgment? But I want you to understand how severe this pride thing is in our culture, in our churches, in our homes, in our marriages. There are some perhaps in this room that are drowning in their pride. No one's going to tell me what to do. This is my life. Oh, I'll humble myself before God, but not the boss. Try again. Nope. Nope. Prideful. Yes, we are. He's laying it all out there. We don't have time for our own fight. We don't have time to be buddy-buddy with the world. We don't have time, folks. What is your life of vapor? We don't have time to be filled with pride. It's dangerous. How severe is it? Let's take a look at verse number 7. Look at this. This is interesting. Verse number 7 in James chapter 4, the Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's interesting. Look at the word resist. Resist the devil. We know who the devil is. The devil is a roaring lion. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil hates you. The devil wants to destroy you. The devil wants to destroy this church, eliminate it, gone. He wants to destroy our country. He wants to destroy your marriages, your families, your homes. That's the devil that we know, the God of this world. We know that to be so. That is a fact. What does he say for us to do? Resist the devil. What does he say? He says resist the devil. Well, let's back up. Let's back up just a little bit and let's see. What does God say in verse number six again? God resisteth the proud. It must be a pretty big deal. Pride? You mean to tell me he's lumping me right in there with Satan and his demons? That type of wickedness? Pride, folks. It's destroying our country. Pride, it's destroying, it's dividing our churches. Pride, it's destroying our marriages. Pride, it's a big deal. And I wish I had time. I'd like to take you to some of the consequences. We see back in Genesis, Sodom and Gomorrah, correct? A horrible place. Sodomy right there in front of us. And we see our country and the parallels. And we go, it's disgusting. It's sin. It's wrong. It's wickedness. Yes. 
But check out Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 sometime. And it's interesting, what's one of the first things that are mentioned in regards to Sodom and Gomorrah and that lifestyle? Pride. Pride. Why are our church kids running into the world and developing that lifestyle, accepting and going a step farther and living that lifestyle. Maybe because we're a bit prideful and our next generation is struggling today because we will not lower our pride. We will never humble ourselves. We're losing the next generation. We're too prideful to admit it. Too prideful to do anything about it. James, he's throwing it all out there this morning. Wow, James, this is, whoo, amen to that. Praise the Lord. Time wasters. Don't waste your time today. We don't have tomorrow. We don't know what we got. Finally, time wasters. Let's do one more. Let's look at one more in verse number 11. Jump over there, James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse number 11. The Bible says, speak not evil one of another. Brethren, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgeth another? We don't have time for evil speaking today. We're tearing each other down. We're in this fight together. But you know, it's so easy right here. What is this thing? I remember, as long, I can go back as far as I possibly can in my mind and I can hear my grandpa O'Donnell. He talked about this right here, the tongue and how powerful that tongue is. James actually is fairly clear himself on how powerful and how, let's just say it this way, destructive the tongue can be. Let's take a look. James chapter 3 and verse number 4. Just back one chapter. Let's just see what James has to say about the tongue. He didn't just throw it in here. Like, yeah, why not? They need one more on that list. Let's, just, let's talk about evil speaking for a second. He's already touched this just a bit. In verse number 4 of James chapter 3, the Bible says, Behold also... The ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue it, it is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. I could go on, but I'm going to stop right there because of time. I think we get the picture, Brother James. I think we get it. Our tongue, it can destroy. It's evil. A fire 
burning. We must be so careful. But hold on a second. God gave you your tongue. God gave you that voice. How are you using it? How are we as a church using it today? Backbiting, tearing others down, disrespecting authority, dividing churches, families, or relationships. How is your tongue being used today? There's no time. What is your life? What is your life? A vapor. It appears for a little time. Vanisheth away. There's no time for my fight. My ways. Nope. No time for the world. Nope. No time for that. Pride? Uh Uh-uh. Evil speaking? Can't happen. There's no time. We must be more efficient with our time. So what can we do to redeem that time? I'm talking about good stuff. I'm talking about profitable right now. What can I do with the short time that God has given to me? What should I be doing? Thankfully, James is very clear in the fourth chapter of this book here. Let's go back to verse number two. Verse number two, James chapter four. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. You know what I think we could do a little bit more more of today? And you know something that we could do and we'll never look back and go, man, I spent way too much time praying. Number one, praying. What should you be doing with your time? The one thing in Scripture that we're told to do without ceasing, pray. I found this on the web. Thank you. Uh. Wow. That was great. Okay, moving on. This guy is struggling. This lady, I should say. This lady is struggling here. Man. Prayer. You'll never feel as though you wasted your time spending too much time in prayer. Never. Let me read something for you. Book I read, started over again. Ravenhill, the writer here. I want to read this paragraph. The Cinderella of the church of today is the prayer meeting. This handmaid of the Lord is unloved and unwooed because she is not dripping with the pearls of intellectualism nor glamorous with the silks of philosophy, neither is she enchanting with the tiara of psychology. She wears the homespuns of sincerity and humility, and so is not afraid to kneel. Prayer. I'm not telling you to toss this book aside. Who cares? We're fine. You got enough of this. Let's pray. No, 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 no. We need this powerful, this powerful book, the Bible. But we aren't spending enough time on our knees. So we're fighting that fight. Give me my country. I want revival today in America. And me standing up, me standing up and fighting this fight that I see on the news sites, the channels, day in and day out, that's not bringing revival. It's going to be a church. 
It's going to be a Christian that is willing to go here. This is going to do it, folks. I'm struggling. I'm losing my marriage. You can fight your own fight or you can go right here. I just, I, I'm on my deathbed now and I'm looking back and you know what I think? I, I think I spent too much time praying. Said no one ever in the history of the world. Prayer. I just want to be efficient with my time. I know that I'm not promised tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. So what should I do with my time to be most effective, most efficient? Pray. Pray. Number two. What does the Bible say? James. James chapter four. Let's continue on. Just going to hit a couple here. Just going to hit just a couple. Let's take a look. Let me get back there. All right. Prayer. How about this one in verse number eight? So simple. Verse number eight. What does it say? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Prayer. Getting closer to God. Is that a waste of time? No. Getting closer to God. Not a waste of time. I should be striving for this daily. Getting closer to God. We talked about it today in the teen class. Getting to know God. He is high above us. He is powerful. He is worthy of our praise. And we can't wrap our minds around how wonderful our God is. He is worthy of our praise. And we should be striving daily to get closer to our God. Have you ever felt as if you're, you're, you're going a million miles a minute, but you're getting nowhere? Ever felt like that? It's frustrating. I'm running. I'm gunning. I'm trying to do the right thing, but I'm getting nowhere. I believe we've all been there. It's me when I go to the gym and I hop on the treadmill and I'm running and I'm sweating. I'm going faster and faster. Am I getting anywhere? No. And that's Christianity today. We're running. We're running. We're working. We're fighting. We're fighting this fight and we're busy and we're sweating. We're doing all the good things and we're getting nowhere. You're trying to get closer to God. James says that'd be a good thing to do with the short time that you do have. Try getting a little closer. All the getting. With all the getting in the world, getting closer to God should be at the top of the list. We want, want, want. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I need, I need. How about getting closer to God? Draw nigh to God. That's the funny thing here. He takes it out of our hands. Oh, we put forth the effort, but what does God do in verse, verse number eight? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleansing our hands. Purifying our hearts. We're double-minded. We're here. We're there. Not sure exactly what I, what I believe here, what I think. What do I know? I'm not sure. The preacher says this. My parents told me that. Here, I, I'm getting a little older now, and i got to make my own decisions. You've got to get closer to God. Dad, husband, mom, wife. What do I do? I'm not sure. Get a little closer to God. Every single one of us, we could take steps closer to God and ought to on a daily basis. Prayer. You're never wasting your time on your knees. 
Getting closer to God, that's never a waste of time. How about this in number three, verse number 10? A heart of humility. We talked about it. We talked about the dangers of pride, the severity there. But the Bible says in verse number 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of who? My pastor. No, in the sight of the Lord. It was interesting. I forget how long ago it was, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, two really good basketball players in the NBA came together. And in their own right, both of them individually are superstars and a couple of the best basketball players individually in the NBA in all of the world. I'm talking about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They came together and now they're playing for the Brooklyn Nets. And one of the first statements that those two made, they came together and they made this statement because they just play basketball. That's what they do. That's what they love to do. And they said this, we are so talented. Okay, I'm filling in the blanks a little bit, but this was the words. This, is, this was the idea of their statement. We are so naturally gifted. We are so talented. We are so good at what we do. I mean, we're talking about the best of the best, the NBA. These are professionals. We don't need a coach. We do not need a coach. We could make this happen by ourselves, literally. We're that good. And they're probably of the, the persuasion that most of the NBA players could because, I mean, they've done it their whole lives. They're professionals now. What is the coach, and maybe you've even, even thought it, what is the coach really doing on the sideline? Does, he, does it really matter? And I believe that it does, personally. I really do. But these two made it very clear, we don't need a coach. We're fine. <laughs> and you factor in injuries over the last couple of years. You, you can factor in whatever you want, but that team this summer right now, the NBA's not going on, that starts in the fall, that team is a wreck, okay? That team is falling apart. So much so that Kyrie Irving, who knows what he's thinking, he's still trying to tell me that the earth is flat, and Kevin Durant is still, he, he says, you know what, I want out of here, I'm out of Brooklyn, he wants out. Their team is a mess. Now they're going to try to patch things up, try to work things out. We'll make this happen, right? What is that? That's pride. Again, we've got this. We don't need a coach. We're professionals. This is what we do. And where has it ended them? Where has it placed them? Should have been, they should have been fighting for titles, winning championships. You can't stop us. We don't need a coach. They're a wreck. Horrible. But in our own lives, we don't need a coach. Teenager, I don't need mom and dad breathing over my shoulder. I got this. And all the moms and the parents in the room, the, the dads, like, hey man, that's right, yes. I don't need my boss looking over my shoulder. I'll do my job. All the adults, everyone here, well, I'll, I said it before, I'll humble myself in the sight of God, but not before man. No, no, not going to happen. This is what I like about the verse there in verse number 10. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then it closes with this statement. And he shall lift you up. 
I fully believe with all of my heart, as I mentioned a moment ago, there are some folks, not just in the area of pride, but we are drowning today. Maybe you are caught up in the world. Maybe you are struggling with your pride. Maybe you are consumed with the news and the, and the goings-on of our country. You are struggling. You are drowning today. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. That's what I want for this church. I want Him to lift us up. I want us to have an ability in this city that goes beyond our ability to where we must trust and rely upon the Creator of all the universe to perform a miracle here in this greater Akron area and He can do it. You say it doesn't work anymore. It does because my God is the same yesterday, today and forever. I serve a risen Savior. He has not changed. My God changes not. That's the God we serve today. And He will lift us up. But we must humble ourselves. There may be someone today that, isn't, that is not sure if heaven is their home. You do not know for sure if you were to die today. There's a possibility I would end up in a place called hell. You must humble yourself before that God. Say, I am a sinner I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, save my soul. Take me to heaven one day when I die. Every single one of us must come to that moment in our lives. And if you've never been there, today is the day. What does the Bible say? Here we are closing down the book of James. Let's go to verse number 13. Verse number 13, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, Go to now, ye ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. That appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We know these verses, right? Individually, we know these verses. But as they connect, as we read through, and everything stated, written for a purpose, perhaps today, through James, God has spoken to you about something. Something you probably should toss because you don't have time to waste there anymore. Or perhaps something that you could add. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I am pleading with you today, first and foremost, if there is one in the room that doesn't know for sure that heaven is their home, you would not waste one more second. What is your life? A vapor. Get it settled today. You say, I'm saved, and I know that I'm saved. Remember, never forget, what is your life, Mom? What is your life, Dad? What is your life, member of Community Baptist Temple? A vapor. It appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. What will we do today with the life What will we do today with the time God has given us? 
heads bowed, eyes closed. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would get serious about the life that you would want us to live, that you have called us to live. Lord, we need you today. Father, we fall short. We fail you. We are sinners. But, Lord, I know in my own heart there are things that I ought to be doing. There are things I should be doing. Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Father, that is convicting to me, knowing that I could be doing more. Perhaps there's things I shouldn't be doing. And Father, for, in, for these that are in the room here with me today, that we would evaluate our lives honestly. Lord, we need you. We see ourselves many times better than we are. I don't want to be someone that wastes the time that you have given. Father, I don't want to be a part of a church that wastes time. Help us, Father, light a fire down deep in our hearts to do more, to give of ourselves wholeheartedly, holding nothing back. God, we need you and love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed.